it was pretty hollow and pretty weightless. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got the end and I was like, but yeah, it was, right. it was also not trying to be anything more. It, it wasn't something yeah. dressed up as, as, as. Which is why I'm a little, I'm wondering if it's just the Edgar Wright factor, which is why like it's getting so much praise heaped on it. Because I'm like, it's just a stylish, well-made movie with a great soundtrack. Do, do you know what it, it is, is though? It's a sign of the times for like not great action films coming out. So we're accepting a lower yeah. standard and being like, well, it's not totally shit. The voices you heard before were those of the Movie Maintenance Podcast, sharing their opinions of Baby Driver and how they compare to the critical acclaim that the film garnered. This inspired us to take a look at the debut film from Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird, and the merit of Rotten Tomatoes and its quote-unquote scoring system. I'm Hyro of the True Romance Film Podcast, and joining me is Michael Denniston of Projecting Film and The Grand Gesture. This is Marcus Played, the movie podcast about movie podcasts. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex? I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're going to have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision at 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. All right, so let's uh, talk about Lady Bird then, Mike. Uh, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critically acclaimed, widely beloved. Uh, shoo-in for Best Picture this year. Um, raking in the dough? Is it raking in the dough? Is it even playing in Kentucky? It has been for a couple weeks now. And I, I guess, uh, you know... It is raking in the dough for its its budget and expectation. I don't know. I'm sure it'll be very profitable for. Is it A24 that did this one? Yeah, it's A24. They're the the new Miramax, right? Hopefully, without all of the Oops, uh, settle down, <laughs> settle down. <laughs> we don't know, but hopefully, they don't have all the indiscretions uh, and power abuses going on. But yeah, they're the 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 indie darling right now. A24. Um, I don't know. I I I quite like this movie, but I think it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because I. Even though it's done well for probably its expectations up to this point, I still don't know if this has reached a groundswell where you could talk to anyone about Lady Bird and they would know what you're talking about. It may, it'll probably need the Oscar push for it to be a mainstream um, bit of pop culture consciousness out there. If we just even look back at last year's Oscars, we had Moonlight, La La Land, um, oh, and, and a bunch of other films. Were any of those films in the like big zeitgeist the cultural norm i think la la land was i mean en- enough so to be like you know made fun of on saturday night live even if people hadn't seen it they're aware of what it is and it's like oh yeah those kids dancing and jazz that's enough for people to get a joke get a punchline about it yeah um 
I guess I, I I'd look at that moonlight. I guess I'm staring right at moonlight. That that film that nobody really gravitates <laughs> out gravitated to outside of <laughs> what's that? <laughs> nobody really saw. <laughs> well, outside of you know the Academy voters, I'm not even sure if they saw it. But uh, and film Twitter, of course, film Twitter is all over it. So um, I, I I feel that Lady Bird sort of falls into that say mold that's moonlight's carved out of yeah but for this year it's uh it's competing with a bunch of i guess little davids like i don't i don't know if we have a goliath yet dunkirk maybe as far as i thought that was a a grendel joke there (laughs) no i mean grendel is his own joke i don't i don't need to (laughs) construct anything (laughs) to (laughs) relate him to ladybird um yeah yeah, I, i think this year is different you know moonlight uh, had the uh, the antagonist to take down the big glossy Hollywood production. I don't know if Lady Bird has that. I, I think it's it snuck up on people. It, it snuck up on me in a way that Moonlight didn't. I think Moonlight caught probably like Oscar prognosticators uh, off guard, but just looking at the trailer, that looked like okay, this film was going to be important. Well, when Moonlight came out, Barry Jenkins hadn't done anything in quite some time. And you've got a bit cast of relative unknowns. So there's not a lot to hedge your bet on outside of somebody or, you know, the, the critics and stuff in the, um, festival circuits sort of hyping this thing up. But outside of that, it, it doesn't come with a big cadre of, of, of things. It's not the PTAs. It's not the, uh, these big directors or these big actors that, you know, typically come in. It's you. You don't have uh, what's her name? Uh, not Helen Mirren. Who's the one that's always nominated? Um, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep's nowhere, nowhere involved <laughs> wow. in this. You know, can't even get a a mention on on here. I, I was like, I was thinking Judy Dench. I'm like, surely you're confusing Helen Mirren and Judy Dench. But no, Meryl, the great Meryl. Um, well, see, it's flipped for me because Moonlight was on my radar. Something like oh, I need to make a point to see that. That'll be a part of the the, the film conversation. I didn't expect that with Lady Bird going into it. I I was putting it more in line with something like, and I haven't seen this, so I, I don't know if this is a great comparison, but I thought it would be like the uh, the Meyerowitz stories. Is that the, the Netflix thing with Adam Sandler? That's it. Have you seen it? Maybe I'm way off. I have not. I, I thought it would be like kind of a quirky comedy type film that some people would, would like, but I did not... I did not see 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I did not see it being elevated to this air of importance. And that may be a little bit unfair to Lady Bird because it's not, it is definitely not as politically charged as something like Moonlight. It, I mean, it, at times it, it is a coming of age high school comedy. Well, this kind of spearheads us a little bit into the direction of our discussion on Rotten Tomatoes where you're saying that you didn't see it having this 100%. And this "quote unquote" air of importance, and is just broke a record, a, right? Is that, I mean, that's well, is that the new record that we're dealing with? Is a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes the benchmark? Forget about Academy Awards, you know. Forget about you know Roger Ebert giving it a three uh, thumbs up. Right now, it's what's your certified fresh or your rotten or whatever. That is the the benchmark that we discuss our films with. Yeah, I mean, I I think. It's certainly questionable because I don't think the intention was ever there with Rotten Tomatoes for it to be the benchmark. But I also think that, you know, Siskel and Ebert did not intend for Two Thumbs Up to be the the benchmark for most people. And that became such an easy 
uh, thing just to look at in the paper or to watch on television. It's easily digestible. So yeah, I think Rotten Tomatoes, you had the controversy kind of trumped up controversy with Justice League where it's like they're trying to hide the Rotten Tomatoes score. Or there's some sort of studio interference. But to your point, you know, Moonlight, it, it was not 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's like Lady Bird, it is, it is. A- hey, are you writing for Rotten Tomatoes these days? Are you being uh, one of the critics that's being counted? Because I know you weren't a big fan. Of Moonlight? No, I, I was not. A, yeah. I was not a huge fan. Um, I, I had the apparently the world's worst opinion that I like some of the stuff quite a bit, and then there was stuff that I didn't like. That which is not that's not how you do film Twitter appropriately. That's not Mm-mm. that's not clickable. Nope. But I don't know how long they're counting uh, the Rotten Tomatoes thing. The piece I saw was citing Toy Story two as far as whatever record as far as streaks of positive reviews while still maintaining hundred percent. Lady Bird just broke, and that's two decades. So, I mean, it is, it is something, you know, it, it may just be a little piece of trivia, but no, I, I thought for sure that, you know, if the, if the Meyerowitz stories is my comparison, I did not see Lady Birds setting a two decade record for positivity as far as everyone finding something to cherish about this film. Cause it is, it's actually really specific. I mean, you can, if I'm going to keep lumping in Moonlight, which is a very specific story about a very specific culture, a gay black man. Something I know right. all about, obviously. Uh, An expert. Yeah. Uh, Lady Bird, uh, a high school girl in Sacramento. I mean, they bang you over the head with it. This is very much a personal experience. It's very specific to a time period, I believe 2002. That city, Sacramento, is very important to it. I have nothing in common with these people, and I would imagine a lot of people don't. I had a hard time connecting. It took me about a good 30, 40 minutes, which is about half the runtime for the movie really to connect with me. Um, and once it did, and I started to see, to see the curtain pulled back a little bit with some of the characters and some of the double sides to everybody, then it started connecting a little bit and I started rolling with the film and I really enjoyed it as well. I mean, I, I really liked the movie, whether or not it ends up being one of my favorite movies of the year or something like that remains to be seen. But you're right. I mean, it, it I don't see a general audience being as patient as you and I are with the film. I, and I don't know what your experience is like as far as how you know long it took to, to kind of get its meat hooks into you. But as someone who is a film lover and stays up in the middle of the night talking about movies on a, on a microphone for nobody to listen to, I am a the few. demographic for this. A few people. Come on. Give yourself some credit. There's a few out there. <laughs> There's a few. Okay. But uh, there's at least one listener. Uh, I believe uh, Jacob tweeted out today that confused our uh, very limited, and I mean that limited success uh, with us being picked up by Slate. Slate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I saw that come across the Twitter feed and I just, I didn't know how to deal with that, man. I, was like, I didn't know no, how to respond because, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear that we're failures. So I didn't, I didn't feel like it needed a response to be like, nope. We haven't uh, we haven't got that crown just yet, but this episode no. will put us over the top. This is going to be at the Ladybird. The film Twitter is going to just jump all over Ladybird. Let me uh, th- just uh, you know before you before you take it completely away, you've kind of made my uh, transition for me as far as the podcast I want to introduce because uh, you're talking about general audiences, and uh, okay. uh, this is one that I don't listen to uh, often, but I'm going to give a shout-out to our cohorts on uh, Mark S. Played, in particular, uh, Andrew of AB Film Review, because he's he's in our little group, the big Oscar guy, and I found myself in the wee hours and probably like the evening for him uh, arguing and debating what is going to be 
seen as the front runner this year. Oh, so you're talking about our group chat that I woke up to? There was like 190 texts going back and forth? Right. And primarily okay. us uh, uh, defending movies and arguing for movies we have not seen, which you yeah. know, is, is the best way to do it. Absolutely. So uh, I, I pulled up today on my uh, uh, morning commute because I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm talking on my ass. So let me listen to other people talk out of their ass and play this little sports game where they're they're sort of betting. They're projecting uh, which film will be uh, winning uh, Oscar glory this uh, coming winter, spring. And uh, so I listened to Vanity Fair's Little Gold Men, which is, you know, that's a big faux pas on my part, especially for this podcast, because I try to pop, prop up the little guys. So they don't need our help. They don't need our promotion. So you're going big, huh? <laughs> this week. <laughs> well, I, I tried to go with people who have maybe been to a screening and seen some of this stuff. And unfortunately, the episode I pulled up, uh, one of the uh, the hosts had seen the post, but it was at the time of recording was still embargoed, so they couldn't really say any of their personal feelings. But they did talk a lot about Lady Bird, which is relevant to our conversation. Like La La Land was the movie you were supposed to like, and Moonlight was the movie that you could, you were surprised how much you liked. You know, like like one is a little bit of a letdown once you've heard the hype, and the other one kind of caught you by surprise. And I think Lady Bird has caught a lot of people by surprise. It has mm-hmm. that thing going for it, and it has. Now I don't know, you know, maybe people who see it from here on out going forward are like, okay, my God, hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes, like you know, everybody singing its praises, like it's just a movie about a kid in high school. Right. But up till now, it's been kind of like, wow, I cannot believe how much I connect with this movie. They were equally surprised. About- about how well it was received critically, but they were wondering if that was going to work against the film when it does finally make its way to general audiences. If it keeps getting all this recognition and love from film critics, film Twitter, and during award season, if people are going to come to this and not see it the way Greta Gerwig intended, you know, something like Dunkirk is a big film meant to right. see on the big screen. It's about something quote unquote important. As I said, this is a high school comedy, and I think. There are going to be some people that are like, why is this 100% Rotten Tomatoes? Like, and even the, the people I went with my, my sister and her husband and my sister has become like a ladybird hater already. And she, there it is. <laughs> she thought, and she thought it was fine. Like as soon as it was over, she's like, yeah, it's okay. It's some funny bits and stuff. Um, and I turned to her and I said, do you see it as like a best picture contender? And she's like, best picture? No, this isn't the type of movie that would. And I guess she's someone who is taken aback by this and the Rotten Tomato score is actually working against it for her. Now, now it's like she's looking at this as like people are crazy to talk about this film. As I said, with that air of importance and she's having negative feelings. So it's one of those things where Rotten Tomatoes can be used to champion a smaller film, but I am afraid of the backlash, inevitable backlash that's going to come the for Lady Bird. Backlash is what we're getting here, I believe. Nickelback, huh? Yep. So I, I so this. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but bear with me here. Okay. Uh, I believe that what could happen with Lady Bird is similar to what happened with Nickelback. They had this all this success and you know acclaim or I'm whatever. Just giving you all the just- rope possible to hang yourself here i'm doing it i'm going with it buddy <laughs> and then now it's this just everybody looks at it it's like how did nickelback become nickelback how did nickelback become famous how does that work um so i look at a film that you loved that had high rotten tomato score 92 percent, queen of earth so if we're using the rotten tomato meter as our guide to go into a film do you think that a general audience would see Queen of Earth and think, wow, man, this is awesome. I love this thing. Um, some things just aren't meant for populist yeah. consumption. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I just, understand that. That's the way that. it is. Yeah, yeah. I, 
you know, Nickelback is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to just see it's, where it's, you it, go with this. Well, it's certainly, you know, I can't imagine there's a huge crossover of Nickelback fans uh, checking out Queen of Earth and really digging it, but maybe they're out there. I hope that we have some of those listeners, and please tweet at us. Let us know who you are, you strange, beautiful folk. But uh, no, something like Queen of Earth, I think it's clear when people talk about it. I'm not saying that I was uh, lying or, or stretching my enthusiasm for that film because I really did dig it. And it was in like my top 10 for the year, top five. I don't remember, but I would always preface it like, you know what? I would totally understand if people don't dig this, if people don't get it. Right. I don't think, I think Lady Bird is certainly more populous, has, has the possibility of more mainstream oh, appeal. Queen of Earth is the extreme. Yeah. It, it is, is just aiming squarely at the art house, like a midnight feature. And that's about it. That's the best I can hope for. But I do think that Lady Bird is going to find itself and Greta Gerwig in particular pleasantly surprised, maybe with the success this film's going to have. But I think it's going to bring out the detractors. I can't disagree with you. I, after watching Lady Bird, I, I see the, 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 the avalanche of loafer and I can't help but question it. Because I mean I did like it, but I didn't a hundred percent like it. You know I I found flaws in it. Obviously the build up and the the amount of time it took for for me to latch on. Here's a I mean, side question kinda, for you. Yep. Most I found myself most of the stuff that's in my like say top ten for the year. Usually there's there might be one or two that I like I'm a hundred percent with the entire time, but most of the stuff I like truly dig and go back to is the stuff that as I was watching it I had issues with. Where I found I found missteps, but yet those are the ones that I want to revisit more so than like, like I I think of something like Dunkirk, and I don't think I had any particular problems with it. But after it was over, I felt like okay, I've had that experience. I like I felt no need to revisit it. There's nothing more there. But Lady Bird, I mean, there are some some scenes that as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, why are they including this? Because they're little, you know, vignettes of of just these high school experiences, fallouts with friends, these stupid pranks right. they play like on on their teachers. But I don't know, when I got to the end of it, I found I found myself really like loving this film. Like I I did understand the 100%, but I don't I I can't really explain why because this is not something that speaks to my particular life experience, but I just really dug it. So the Dunkirk thing, I could see myself revisiting it in showing it to somebody, like trying to give someone that experience. Particularly like somebody who's got like a big uh, sound system, a big whatever. As a, a technical uh, theater, achievement. As a technical marvel, right. The intent for that film was very different than something like Lady Bird. I think that Lady Bird, for me, you're talking about some of the stuff you were questioning, like why is this kind of lodged in there? I took Lady Bird as sort of this like love letter uh, from Greta Gerwig to everything that influenced her. You know, like all these little annoyed things between her mom, Sacramento itself, obviously, you know, drilled it to the to the umph degree but i never really questioned anything in ladybird other than i guess the initial part i just questioned where it was going but i like a movie like the big sick i didn't have any questions about it i never had any why is this there why is this I had here? a lot of questions about it i know you did you didn't like that you didn't like the white dude but uh can't stand him yeah nobody can <laughs> <laughs> but there's a movie that I've revisited three or four times and I've shared with friends and family, et cetera. So I, I don't have the same experience. I mean, Queen of Earth isn't something I'm going to bring to the family, though. Um, you should. But Conversation starter with the kids. 
uh yeah about that i don't think uh, you've met my kids actually you, that's not exactly gonna gonna fly in that crew well it's interesting because big sick is obviously and it was sold as a very personal experience a a true ish version uh, a film adaptation of this love story between two real people who decide to share that with the world world and i've not read or listened to many interviews with Greta Gerwig, I can only assume this is very personal to her or based on her her youth. She says that nothing in this film really happened to her, but it's all derived from emotional experiences in her youth. So it all reflects the aspects of youth, but it doesn't, none of it really happened. That's what she says. I don't really like that answer. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Is Is she afraid of like... You know, embarrassing someone in her life. I don't know because there's nothing heinous that happens in this film. It's not like you know she kills someone. This isn't a version of bully or anything. No, maybe she wants to keep something private. I mean, she and not everybody could be Camille and Johnny and uh, <laughs> and Miss Gordon, Emily Gordon. So not everybody could just lay their shit out there for everybody for the world to see. So maybe she was trying to keep something universal because it does. I mean, clearly by the Rotten Tomato score. You have many critics from all walks of life who are really gravitating towards this Lady Bird experience. And uh, I think to something you said earlier is the main drive for my, my love for this film is how empathetic it is to all of the characters uh, within, I think within reason. There, there may be some of the, some of the cool kids. We, we, we That's exactly why I, 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 I dug the film, especially the mother daughter relationship. You know, you, you could argue that the mother for, a certain period of time in the film is a bit one-sided in the, in the sense that we're only seeing it from the daughter's perspective as far but as when this. you see her with say for instance the priest uh when you see her also alone you know she's driving the and, airport and come, yeah dropping yeah, the airport sequence mm-hmm. you see the true nature of of her relationship um the letters and all that stuff i mean it's all it's all there i agree with you um i think that for me the moment that the movie really got me was uh uh the first boyfriend uh, there's a, a scene behind a coffee house. That's where it kind of. It's a great scene. Yeah, it's an amazing scene. The movie really flourished for me right there at that moment. I was like, oh wow, I, I kind of see what's going on here. And and from that point forward, the, the movie steamrolled for me. The and I won't spoil it, but for me, it all sort of, you know, the bad pun came home with the, the ending because I, I felt like you see a lot of stories about especially youth uh, wanting to, to leave home or wanting to go to usually in films, it's, you know, New York specifically go to the big city and make something. And I would think like, like the Alexander Payne version of this would be what a bunch of rednecks and fuck ups in this town, or even a film that I like, like ghost world, you have the teenage characters making fun of their surroundings. Like what a bunch of like a freak show their hometown is and a bunch of dorks and uh, idiots. Yeah, and it's the sweet old Alabama effect. Not, not quite on the level of ghost world, but sure. You know, I'm sure that's a double feature back and she's disgusted <laughs> by them. And she's, you know. but you know, Josh Lucas is really attractive. So she gets over it. She's like, all right, I'm a fan of Josh Lucas. Why isn't he like, Super, super famous. I, I don't know. I always thought that. I always thought he was sort of an interesting actor, but uh, I don't know. Hulk? I, I don't know what killed his career, but uh, yeah, he's just not not doing it anymore. He's not in Lady Bird. He could, very well could have been like the teacher here. Doesn't he normally play like, you know, the... Yeah, he could have done that. Yeah. I mean, he's right in the age range. He's a good looking dude. But I, I felt like the way they sort of, you know, they're not coming down saying that this young girl is young and stupid for 
being passionate about seeing the world or seeing something different. But they give her, and maybe that's, I don't know how honest that is to a, a teenager's experience to have maybe that immediate sort of self-reflection, but it's a movie. So I, I like that they, they give her that, that chance to reflect back on where she came from and, you know, it has, has a bit of grace to it as opposed to just saying, thank God, I don't have to hang out with those dorks anymore. Well, I mean, she did, I mean, the woman did make a movie. I mean, Greta Gerwig is from Sacramento and the film is definitely partially a love letter to Sacramento, partially a no, love letter to... According to her, she's you know she doesn't know too much about Sacramento. There's not, a montage of her <laughs> literally talking about it, and like the, the light is shining on the trees and the bridges and all this Tyro. shit. I she mean, doesn't want to get that specific. She can't really... You know, she's not claiming anything here. None of this happened, but... Oh, boy. Okay. But... You know, I mean, I, I give her the benefit of the doubt. I don't know when she had this epiphany about how great her hometown was, but eventually I, I she, she clearly came around. And maybe it may be that she has such, you know, she cares about all these characters that she's created and she, she cares about, you know, the idea of home, even with all of its flaws, that everyone can sort of latch on to that because everyone comes from somewhere and you probably have some fond memories of the place it came from some, some humorous anecdotes or something. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't be su- as surprised that it's been well received, but I don't know. I'm still not convinced it's an Oscar movie. It just, and I say that, I, I say that either. Well, and I say that as a compliment, you know, cause I, I look at Dunkirk as, Oh, that's, that's an Oscar movie. Oh yeah. And even, even your, uh, big sick that you love, uh, compliment it. I don't see it as an Oscar movie. It would, it would be cool if those type of films, we're being nominated for best picture, but they don't, I don't know. They're, they're a little bit shaggy. There's, you know, there's some, some extra material that, uh, is a little bit more grounded and real. Not everything is so clean and perfect. And I like that. Well, I mean, honestly, how different is something like hidden figures from these films? They're populist <sighs> movies. They're mm, historical see- importance. I mean, those women did help us get to space, so it's a little bit more than what Ladybird does here. Lion? Um, he, he's Go really, ahead. he's really, he's really good Take at Google ju- Earth. I don't know. No, he's actually really bad at it. As a person who, who works at it, he's really, really bad. I could have had him found by his parents five years prior. He could have hollered at me. Sorry, a second. But I, I can't like, explain Lion. I'm sorry, yeah, Australia. I can't explain Lion yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Our brother in arms over there is gonna just <laughs> just slam his fist down on the table. Coffee's gonna splatter everywhere as we trounce lion. I like, love that we're having an, uh, a primarily Oscar focused discussion and uh, supposed Andrew, to be Rotten Tomatoes, wasn't it? <laughs> Andrew is not around for it. That's what I love. So let's take bring it back to Rotten Tomatoes. Then let me ask you this: How do you use Rotten Tomatoes? And not to be like kind of an interviewee sort of thing, but like when I use Rotten Tomatoes, I obviously look at the number first. And you look at it, but I start digging into some of the the anecdotes. I don't read the full review often. I'll read maybe four or five of them, but I do go down the list because they give you like two or three sentences and they'll say, you know, it's okay. or And then fresh because it's okay counts as fresh and also stupendous counts as fresh. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt there. Uh, I guess for the most part, I don't. Use it. I mean, you know, something like Justice League. I mentioned that. Unless we're arguing, unless we're in this giant debate and arguing, the Rotten Tomato <laughs> number will come out if it suits you. Okay, like, <laughs> let's say I was not. I'm a fan of Greta Gerwig's. So let's just say it was some somebody I wasn't aware of, some anonymous person. Their first film. They made Lady Bird, 
and I didn't know any of the actors in it. If it still had a hundred percent, I, that would probably get me to see it or at least go out to the theater and see it as opposed. Cause I would, I would wonder, I'm like, well, what is this? Like, why, why, why is everyone raving about this? If it got a 75, 80%, I don't know if that moves the needle for, for me from complete ignorance to something to, I have to go see that this weekend. But then there's other stuff that if it gets a negative review, I don't care. Like, you know, there's certain actors that I, I like, you know, anything that Miles Teller's in, I don't care if it's 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to go check it out because I like Miles Teller. So I don't know. I, I guess it's just the, the, the things that are the complete unknown that have no other selling points. It could have an effect on me then. Yeah. I, 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 I was just thinking in my head, how does my family use Rotten Tomatoes or how do like friends that don't really have like a just big passion for film like you and I do, how do they use Rotten Tomatoes if, if they go by it? And honestly, they really don't. I mean, it's just a, a, a talking point for the most part for them because they're going to go see the Justice Leagues, the Marvel movies, the, the, the big films, you know, anything with a rock in it, I, I guess, um, regardless of what the Rotten Tomato score is. And I don't see it really coming into play. Maybe it comes into play with our ilk a little bit more on some stuff in, in the discussion, but not yeah. in what pushes us to see the film. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately, I think it probably is used more by uh, people discussing films on Twitter or podcasters. Uh, and I, I have my suspicions a lot of times that there are certain films that come out with a certain number and those become punching bags. Like it's like, oh, it's cool to pick on this film because it's, it's getting horrible reviews. Or, you know, there's one that uh, came out recently and I don't know what's Rotten Tomatoes, is, but Roma J. Israel, which I really loved. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't have any expectations for it. Uh, but the only thing I had read was that I think at Toronto. 52%. Okay, so that's bad. For that type of film, that's bad. You know, There's for, a green splat right next to it. It's pretty bad. For Justice League, I don't think that matters at all. I think you get into comic book movie territories if you get down to 30% or below. That's probably bad, but 50% for a superhero movie? I don't know. Could be good, could be bad. You mean it's not a travesty that it didn't make $100 million or whatever? I, I Going back to our, our another cohort of ours, old Chris Maynard over at Falling Films wrote a little piece where he talked about how he was disgusted with the conversation about money and the conversation about how a film's budget is considered a disaster, like podcasts and stuff like that, talking about that um, as being a disaster. So uh, I don't know. I mean, are you talking about Justice League? Yes, Justice League. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, because I'm like, I'm sure Roman J. Israel would be happy with any no, no, any no. money I, that's coming in. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Justice League. I mean, it's it's a fair point because yeah, we're we all immediately look at it probably based on the Friday numbers and we're like, oh, this is a flop. And a lot of people still saw the fucking thing. You know, it's I mean, a lot of eyeballs on, on that. Yeah, even if it's not you know meeting the expectations or certainly the budgetary expectations of Warner Brothers, but it's kind of like being a, a you know, a fan of professional sports. Like I, at a certain point, like the salary cap, it's not the fans' problem. It's not our money. So who who cares if they're over the cap? You know, I don't I don't care if my team's paying the luxury tax. I I don't. As long care. as they're winning, if they're winning, I don't care. Yeah. So if you enjoy Justice League, do you care if Warner Brothers is not making as much as they wanted to or expected to? You still got your movie. Well, if they're the Brooklyn Nets and they're eighty million dollars <laughs> over the cap and stinking up the joint. Then I do care. I and this I, I have this argument with Barry all the time about the cap and cap 
like look at the Patriots and they how they they manage their cap by not paying anybody a lot of money except for Brady and even he's kind of on the cheap mm-hmm. for what he is. He's not getting Joe Flacco money, that's for sure. Hell no, he's <laughs> he's he's in Ryan Tannehill's camp with the money and there's not exactly a big comparison between the two, but we, we, we digress on the on the sports. I, talk, I tried to talk about Roman J Israel, and you're like, you know what? We're going to talk about Justice League and then uh, football, and so that's I, I clearly you're not a fan, or you, you did not want to entertain my notions of it. But um, I, I think it all goes back to perception. That's the point of this this episode. You know, Roman J right. Israel, I think premiered at Toronto and had you know negative reviews or didn't have good buzz coming out of that, and so people just immediately wrote it off, which I. I, I don't subscribe to. It's like if I, in this particular case, the previous uh, film from the director, Iron Director, was Nightcrawler. I dug Nightcrawler. It's got Denzel Washington, one of the last true movie stars. I'm going to see it. I don't give a fuck what any of you say. Like, I, there's, I don't think there's a single, be it Rotten Tomatoes or film critic, that's going to sway me. If I've already got set in my mind, kind of like your family, if I want to see something, I don't care. I don't care right. what it is. You know, it's interesting you, what you mentioned about the Toronto thing and kind of bad buzz coming out of there. It's almost to the point where critics don't even want to bother with it because you look at going back to Rotten Tomatoes, only a hundred reviews have been counted for Roman J. Israel for three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, which is has no real star power. I mean, Francis McDormand. She's not Denzel. Circles, she's not Denzel. No, she's not Denzel Washington. Yeah. I have 175 reviews on there already. And, you know, it's not like a massive release just yet. That's see, that's my issue. I'm sure. Most people are going to come out saying three billboards, three billboards is a better movie, better experience than Roman J. Israel. And that's why well, I saw three billboards and it's a good movie. That's, that's fine. But to invalidate one other work, like <laughs> as if you don't have the fucking time, like stop tweeting, stop binge watching stuff on Netflix. Like I, I don't understand this, uh, lack of engagement. If you're a true film fan to give, a filmmaker who you've liked, the pre- Nightcrawler was a huge success. Everybody fucking great loved movie. Nightcrawler. Great, great film. Sure. Why would you not plunk down your six bucks, ten bucks, whatever it is, or if you have a movie pass, you're nothing to see Roman J. Well, Israel. Those critics are getting screeners. Anybody who's on Rotten Tomatoes who's being counted by Rotten Tomatoes, guarantee you they're watching all these movies for free. All you gotta do is get your ass up and either go to the theater or pop the disc in or put in the Vimeo <laughs> so code. Is, are you saying it's you know the the lack of clicks they think they're getting that's not it's not even worth discussing so it's not worth their time to put their yeah, opinion I, out I, there. I mean I can't speculate as to why they're not doing it but that does sound like a fair and valid argument that there's not enough skin in the game for them. You know if I'm going to pull up Justice League Justice League I guarantee you has way more looks. 281 people reviewed this thing. I mean and I think Justice League is it's fine. But yeah, I, I had a good time with it. I liked it. If you're a film critic, there's probably more to dive into with Roman J. Israel. Yeah, great director, great actor. I'm sure there's something to chew on there, but nobody's giving it a look. Or not a, not as many people are giving it a look. And that goes, you know, then I have to question myself. And it, it comes down to, to fandom. It comes down to being an advocate for films, which, uh, you know, the Academy Awards on their best day is the, the best advocate for film as far as putting it out to the populace. Here's some stuff you check, should check out. Rotten Tomatoes should be seen as that. Something like Lady Bird. That's, this is a great success story if it can get that conversation started by people who don't know what that is. But I, I think with something like Roma J. Israel, I'm probably going to have more conversations with people about it because I'm going to sort of take it up as a cause of like, no, no, you really should see that. I'm going to find myself talking about that film more 
and then I have to check myself because it's like, am I am I just shepherding this film because it makes me feel better? Like if because it's more personal to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because Lady Bird now it, now it's, it's like the only thing you can champion because everything else is being championed. <laughs> I can't champion Lady Bird, and it's like you know as much as I like it, I'm just one of a however many perfect reviews it's got at this point. So I don't know that that it. I, f- I find like when you're talking about film, even when just you know if you're just talking to yourself as I often do. I, I, it's always changing. You know, it's like, I, I don't know if I'll feel the same about Roman J. Israel or Lady Bird a year from now, but in the moment, I'm, I'm definitely like really pushing Roman J. Israel and talking about it more just because I feel like it just got swept under the rug and Lady Bird's going to be fine right now. Yeah. I mean, 173 people have, have you ever heard about, uh, Lady Bird? I think they're doing okay with for themselves. 175 at the end of this podcast. The two of us, we've put our two sits in and well, we're not being counted. Not yet. Right, yeah. Yeah, as yeah. soon as we get picked up by Slate <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah good luck with that <laughs> on that note <laughs> why don't we go ahead and uh, listen to the closing music <laughs> this has been Marcus Plate and uh, thanks for listening if you like what you heard here Please subscribe on iTunes or Pod Player of Choice. Um, and do the same for the shows that we sampled. Uh, we checked them out, we liked them, and we featured them here, so give it a shot. And if you can't get enough of us, check out our shows at uh, Projecting Film, The Grand Gesture, and The True Bromance Film Podcast. And also check out all of our other podcast related material we're offering at followingfilms.com. We're